0: You're listening to Southeastern Fly Presents, the Angler's Influence Podcast, with our guest, Dan Charlie. Dan, welcome to Influence.
1: It's great to be here, David. Thank you.
0: Thank you for having us. I'm sitting here in uh, Dan's studio with Dan and his cat, Festus, uh, who is now... Uh, uh, saddled up against the, the chair that I'm sitting in, so it's going to be a good day. So if you hear some scratching, some clawing, or some meowing, you'll know that Fest is snoring. Or snoring. Dan is the owner of Watercolors by Dan Charlie. Uh, you can find Dan at com. Dan is a watercolor artist. Uh, he has limited edition prints and commissioned paintings, and they're all about fishing for the most part. Dan is also an angler, a very good angler. Full disclosure here, before we go too much further, I have fished with Dan for probably a decade now. So a little bit of uh, inside information for us on Dan. Uh, but Dan is an angler. He's a musician. But that's not all. Dan is also a former college quarterback for the University of Dayton, which was Division Three. He was a quarterback from 1987 to 1990. Uh, you took the Flyers to the playoffs in 1988. Is that right? That's right. Well, it,
1: I... I was back up then. 89's the year we really made the run.
0: So the you had the longest winning streak in school history. We did. Uh, you won the national championship in 1989. We did. Uh, you hold the school record for the most yards compiled in a game at 300. Is that still around?
1: I think that's been long broken, but, yeah, <laughs> thanks for bringing it up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, and then I remember this. I remember fishing with Dan and, and asking him, hey, do you want to fish in a week or two or whatever it was? And he's like, yeah, no, I can't. i got to go to Dayton and uh, I was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool. Is that a you know, is that a, a homecoming, and or is that you know a anything like that?" And he's like, eh, "No, no." And he never really said until he got back, and we kind of pushed him as our friends and, and all of us got together. And He's like, oh, "I was inducted into the University of Dayton's Hall of Fame, which is a big deal for, yeah, for anybody."
1: That was that was pretty cool, and uh, certainly honored and flattered to have that happen.
0: Absolutely, and yeah. it was wor- well earned too.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's a, that's I. I I confess I cut on the internet and, and kind of <laughs> filled in Googled the blanks the I, grunt
1: out of Dan Charlie, I, didn't I Sure you? did. Well, there's all
0: kinds of stuff <laughs> that comes weird up. As too. That <laughs> yeah. Most of it's most of it's about you, but some of it's about some other stuff. That,
1: David, that's show prep. That's what you is do. Is that what that yeah, is? That's what that's what you do.
0: You, you know I'm learning this stuff. So You're
1: doing fantastic. <laughs> well, I
0: appreciate that and I'll pay you that twenty dollars later. <laughs> all right. So let me just ask you a few questions before we get too far into this. So Dan, how long have you been fishing?
1: I've been fishing since I was a little bitty kid, uh, almost all my life.
0: Okay. And uh, how long have you been fly fishing?
1: Uh, probably 25 years plus.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay, so quite a while. Yeah,
1: you'd think I'd be better, but yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> 25 <laughs> years plus, yeah.
0: Certainly not true there. Uh, uh, so tell me how you began fly fishing.
1: My dad, it, it, and, and dad's the the biggest influence on me as a fly fisherman and, and, and taught me almost everything I know. Um, it, it was, it was him pushing me to try something a little bit different with fishing. I'd, I'd fish conventional gear and uh, I'd done, you know, the whole crickets under bobbers and then up to plastic worms for, for bass. And, um, and I had a ton of fun doing all that stuff, learned a, a ton from fishing with, with some really good fishermen. But really when it came down to it, um, the fly fishing was something I, I kind of I kind of resisted for a long time, like a lot of people. But my dad was one who was kind of, he's pushed me to keep trying and, and, and see if I could have some success with it. And eventually I did. And once I did it have success with it, it just, it spawned a passion. And I don't think that's too dissimilar to other people who have explored the sport. It takes a little success to kind of get you going. And once I got that, I really got going. Started spending <laughs> a lot of money and all the other stuff that comes along with fly fishing.
0: So, and, and again, full disclosure, I fished with your dad. And I've watched your dad tie flies, and he is outstanding at he's, both.
1: Yeah, he's an excellent fly tire and, and, and is a student of the whole sport. And, and, and he'll, he'll you know, from the stuff that he reads and, and digests and the stuff he finds on the Internet, and even when he'll go out in the stream, he's one of those guys that's going to take the same net out and, and, and try to figure out what's in the stream and then go back up to the vice and duplicate it in his own way. Um, and it's just really cool to watch somebody approach it that way. He's very much uh, an engineer when it comes to trying to figure out how to approach a stream.
0: So did you get any of that part of fly fishing from him?
1: I have some of that. I don't have the patience he has to do that. When I get to the vise and I start trying to to tie a fly, I'll stop short of the perfect fly and go, "Eh, that's fishable (laughs) That looks fishy. And uh, when I've tied with him, you know, it'd be, he's a great coach. He used to coach me as a kid, and he'll, he'll coach me on that too. No, 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 that's not what you're supposed to do. Do it this way. This is oh, ah, It's just as good this way. But he's right, and I have to learn from him and, and push myself to explore things like dubbing loops and, and some of the techniques that he applies that uh, I would quickly gloss over for the sake of just tying a, a woolly bugger or something like
0: that. So would you say your artist uh, influences your fly tying a little bit, or is it just mostly your paintings?
1: Uh, it, it, de- it definitely influences my paintings, um, and, and, and vice versa. The, the, uh, you know, I do a lot of fish related art, and, and a lot of the inspiration for those will come from my fishing trips or things that I, that I've done and, or seen, or seen other people catch fish. Um, and then sometimes when you're painting, that'll you know you get to a point where you get stuck on the painting. I know a great way to clear my mind is to get, head to the
0: stream. So do you remember the first time that you uh, you and your dad fly-fished?
1: I, I don't remember the f- – I remember a couple of little streams that we fished uh, for trout and didn't have much luck. Um, and, and that was one that he, if he came into town, I'd get the fly rod right out and fish with Dad. But as soon as I hit the stream after he left, I'd be back to spinning rod and stuff because I had a lot of success with that. Um, but it was one trip on the Caney Fork River, and I was probably 25, 26 years old fishing with him, and we weren't actually having a whole lot of luck. Um, and then it was because of his his being a student of the sport and really kind of uh, instinctively trying to figure out a way that we could actually start catching fish, we tied on a couple of a tandem woolly bugger approach, one larger, one a little bit smaller as a trailer, put it on sinking line and started fishing a deeper hole, real slow retrieves, and just caught. I don't know how many fish out of one hole, and that's after that. You know, I was definitely hooked on the sport, but that's the one of the most memorable early times of fishing with him, Dang. fly fishing with him.
0: Tandem woolly bugger strip real slow. That yeah, almost well, never works.
1: <laughs> <laughs> At the time, nothing had worked, so it was all new to me. And uh that's all of a sudden after that, I was buying fly gear and. And trying it a lot more and, and trying to learn as much as I could.
0: It's amazing how much money you can spend just and, and in the end you realize, oh, I can do this with, you know, a handful of flies, a fly rod and maybe a net, maybe not. And,
1: yeah. And I don't have expensive gear and stuff, but it, it does I mean when you when you talk about any sport and becoming passionate with it, you do end up accumulating a lot of stuff through the years and that's definitely what I've
0: done. I got a whole barn full of it, so <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan, let's talk about Moonshine Rods. Moonshine Rods, their mission is simple, to imagine, create, and distribute unique, well-built fly fishing rods at a price point that real people can afford. They craft their rods in hopes they inspire a revival. A return to the pure and simple spirit of adventure, moments that stir the soul. Strikingly designed, high performance, and built to last, every one of their small batch rods whispers the beginning of a unique story. One that's bound to be epic. Well, so your dad influenced your fishing, as, And as, as we find most of us. Festus is taken over in here. <laughs> by the way, he's completely taken over the podcast. It's Festus's world. We're just living in it. Sure is. I thought this was your studio, but this is really Festus's hangout. Mm-hmm. Festus is Dan's cat, uh, who I've known for quite a while. Uh, I guess we'll interview him next, maybe. I don't know.
1: He <laughs> would probably love it.
0: <laughs> but uh, so your so your dad uh, and and your family influenced you kind of at an early age to fish. You said you'd been fishing at a real early age, which I don't yeah. know that I knew uh, that.
1: Grandfathers too. I mean, they they, they weren't fly fishermen, but I, you know, like a lot of people growing up, it was family that that you fished with, especially as a little kid. But I remember my, my papa and my grandfather on my mom's side. In West Tennessee, we would set up trot lines in the Hatchie River and catch catfish and gar and um, bowfin that we call grenel and and, and, and softshell turtles and all sorts of fascinating things. As a little kid, you just couldn't get enough of that. And then my grandfather on my dad's side, up out of Chicago, we would fish Kankakee River, go up into Wisconsin and fish some rivers. And um, it was just always fun to get all the gear out and take all the bait out and, and, and just sit on the, you know, who knows? I was probably a terrible little kid fisherman, but. I, I like to think that's where it all it all started.
0: We were coming off the river uh, Saturday, and there were three little kids there fishing in what what really amounted to a, a little mud puddle, like off the side of the river where the water had come down. And they were having the biggest time. Yeah. And I'd be darned if one of them didn't catch a little shiner. And he showed it to everybody at the ramp. You know, I even took a picture of us. Like, hey, stand right there, you know, with it, and and I want to I want to get your picture, so you know i think we're all if we could ever get to the river as a kids i think our as a kid i think our families are the first influence uh normally yeah uh in our in our fishing career but then so tell me tell us uh tell us who else might or what else might have well, certainly, I
1: mean, you know, I mentioned the grandfathers, and, 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 and I'll keep with the family, and I'll switch to to another one, but, you know, my uncle my uncle's a great fly fisherman as well, and he's always been a huge fisherman, so i learned a ton from, from my uncle Art, um, and then my brother Tim's an excellent fly fisherman, he used to be always a, a rooster tail guy, but now he's a... He's a, he's a big-time fly fisherman, and then they're really good, too, and I always learn from, from both of them. But then friends. I, I, I've, I'm i lucky enough to be in with a group of guys that we call ourselves a club. But I'm not real sure officially if we are. There's no minutes read at each meeting, but um, we get together once a month and talk about fly fishing. and you know you tie a few flies, and then we try our best to get together and do some float trips a few times a year. And um, I always learn from those guys. I mean, it's a tremendous influence to get out there and see people and fish with people who are better fishermen than you are, and learn from them. And I play music too, and it, it's a lot like that. If you, if I'm playing guitar with some other musicians who are better than me, I always, while I'm in, I mean, there's a little bit of. Uh, um trepidation that i'm not as good as they are i always learn a ton by playing with people who are better than me and i think the same thing goes from from a fishing standpoint so if you're talking about influence yeah friends are a big part of that
0: so how how have they influenced you other than just watching what they're doing well
1: it's approaches um and 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 even maybe the flies that they're actually using some of the things that i i consider my go-to flies and maybe even claim credit for um if you followed it back, you could actually find that maybe it was one of my friends who came up with the idea first. They probably got it from somebody else. I don't know how many original ideas are left, but um, that's what you learn. It, it may be you know approaching... It may be a nymph that they're using, but it also may be how they're approaching it and understanding the stream and how it works from the riffle run and holes and and knowing what, you know, on this outside bin of this particular part of the stream, fish tend to hold over here. And most people will fish on this side, but really if you fish this side, there's some good fish. That type of stuff that, you know, maybe on your own, you may stumble across that at some point, but you probably scoop up a lot more by fishing with people, especially if those people have a little bit more experience or are better than you are.
0: So a couple of things, one, one thing there is to uh, watch what other people do. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, the, and the, learn. Yeah. The second thing I think, and this is one thing that, that I've probably tried to focus on more than any one thing, uh, is presentation. Yeah. Get the right presentation. Even if it may be uh, the wrong fly, the right fit presentation will often, very often, Catch, catch the fish. Yeah,
1: it's it's. I think that's the key with just about any approach and or any any type of fly fishing you do, or really any type of fishing. It is that presentation. Even you know, okay, you're you're, you're fishing the Canny Fork and you're nymphing for 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 trout. Um, there's a few ways you can go about doing that, and and that's 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 the presentation piece. You want to make sure the fly is in the strike zone, and you want to keep it there as long as you can without drag. So there's a whole lot of presentation that goes into that. But you go down to the to the you know the pan on the Florida. I do this you know hopefully about once a year and go chase fish from the shore and like ladyfish. You'll see them and they're all in the jumps. There's birds everywhere. There's splashes everywhere. Uh, so you think I'll just cast anything in there and catch a fish? Well, you don't because you have to present it correctly, which usually means strip like crazy in order to make that fly move as fast as you can. But that's the key. Presentation is the key. You could have the perfect fly, but if you don't present it in the right way, you're not going to catch anything.
0: You know, tarpon are great. Uh, Redfish are certainly great, but ladyfish oh, yeah. are so underrated yeah. as far as fun.
1: The, the, the ladyfish are underrated. Jack Crevel are underrated. Did a big cat just jump up? Yeah, I believe Festus me? is okay. up in your... He's, he's scratching he's, up the chair behind me. Um, no, they're tons of fun. They're like little tarpon.
0: Yeah, they really are. Mm-hmm. They really are. And keeping them on a, on a barbless hook is... is a feat within itself. Sometimes
1: they actually become like the perfect fish. Cause they're real willing biters. They jump, they run, they may pull you into your backing and typically they get off before you have to touch them. So <laughs> it's, it's a perfect catch and release fish.
0: So your earliest influences, like most of us came from your family and then you moved on to your friends. Uh, and, and really it influences our biggest thing is to, to learn about people, places, things, or ideas that influence our fly fishing, not necessarily the businesses that we are in and the, yeah. The things that we do, but our fly fishing in general. So after we talk about your family and your your dad in particular, again i fish with him and he's he's an outstanding angler. I can't say enough about how really good he is. Uh, moved into your to your friends, how they've influenced you. What what's another thing, Dan, that's influenced you?
1: And believe it or not, it is, it's it's uh, fishing television shows and uh, and magazines, uh, fishing magazines. Okay, uh, I, 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 that's. Even as a kid, I used to watch those like Bill Dance shows and stuff. Bill Dance used to edit his show in the school cafeteria where I went to school in Memphis. So um, I even went to school with his son. So um, we just that's where I started falling in love with you know these guys are catching all these great fish and I get to watch them on TV doing it and I want to do that too. Um, And as I've grown, I used to you know back in the VCR days and I would take VHS tapes and just load them up with Saturday morning fishing shows and like. Walker's Kay and Spanish Fly and Hunt for Big Fish with Larry Dahlberg. Loved all those shows. And um, they just kind of, they, they open up a world that you didn't even know existed in terms of fishing, especially some of the locations that they'll go to, but then the types of fish too. And it was just Uh, just an exciting thing for me to see it made me want to do it it makes me want to go explore the Seychelles or you know go to you know and try to catch Wells catfish over in in, in Europe or things like that that you know in the grand scheme of things I may not ever get to do but they're they're in the bucket list now because of a lot of those shows and the same thing goes with some of the magazines that are out there reading some of those things and seeing the photography that goes along with it um, it's stuff that inspires you. you you want to go to those Places you want to do the things that you're reading about these people doing and seeing them do. Um, and that's a huge inspiration for me.
0: The, so some of the shows I remember watching those Saturday morning shows too. And I don't know that I record them, although I probably did. Uh, I, I, I had to con- confess right now that it, Walker's K was one of my f- yeah, most favorite one. shows. And I think if I ever met flip palette, I'd be like the 14 year old girl that met her favorite rock. star. <laughs> I think that's what I'd be like. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be able to talk. Them. Yeah, I think I'd be, I think it, I think I would be embarrassed at the call, end of it.
1: Call the authorities.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and it's just because we watched them as growing up, and 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 there were several seasons of the shows, and Spanish flies the same way. Oh yeah, uh, it's just a great show that has got a lot of variety in it, uh, or had a lot of variety in it, and you just you would learn something. Yeah, every time
1: you will and, and Spanish Fly is, is one of my favorites because of the of the places that that, that uh, Jose would go, uh, and the way that he approached it too. Uh, and maybe it was more him than anything else. They had fantastic camera camera work with it, but. Um, he was a kind of a, he was a host that kind of drew you in. You, you felt like you knew the guy, so that made it really tough when he passed away because it felt like you're kind of losing a friend. If you're watching him every Saturday morning and inviting him into your home, you almost kind of felt like you knew who he was. But um, the way that he approached people and the, and the sport of fishing w- was. You know that, that that kind of stuck with me as is something that I would aspire to. Now I haven't gone to any of the anywhere close to the places that he fished and and interacted with the people that he was able to interact with. But um, I think you know, if he were still alive, he'd be proud to know that some guy in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, thought he was a pretty big influence on his fishing career.
0: And I think that he would you would probably say that that Jose influenced people throughout uh, the United States and probably around the world as well. Anybody that's seen the show. Just the fact that we're calling him Jose, like, you know. He's yeah, like, like we knew him, yeah. Right, yeah. and Flip, like, you know, well, Flip lives right up the road here. Well, yeah. he doesn't, but, you know, if I was talking to my family, they would think that, oh, well, David fishes with Flip and, and Dan fishes with Jose. Well, yeah. not really. We just invite him into our home, and we kind of think we get to know him and whatever the camera's showing us. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and I would think that they were both pretty good guys
1: seem like it yeah and, and it definitely and 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 giving people to and, and 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 teachers too i think both of them are that way flip is definitely that way and i think jose was and a lot of them are i mean there's some really great shows and great hosts out there i don't want to exclude anyone but um it, that's they, there was a connection there i guess that was made
0: so do you feel like maybe you learned something from those shows? Oh like, yeah. Is there anything you can think of in particular that maybe you learn?
1: Um, you, you learn uh, nothing that jumps out instantly. That's the one thing, but it, it's more about what they were doing and how they approached what they were doing and, and a genuine love for the sport. Um, And I think all of us who fish have a little bit of that in this. We're doing it for a reason. We enjoy doing it. Uh, we may. you you have the competitive bass anglers that are maybe approaching it a little bit different than you and me, which is more about, you know, catching fish and spending quality, especially for with friends or even on our own and maybe learning a little bit more, but a lot of it is just having a good time. Um, They seem to, approach it that way too and 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 you could identify with that and some of the best shows are that way it's not just the instructional here's the fly i'm using and here's the approach i'm using or the presentation here today they may throw the snippets in there was more about they are so passionate about this and truly seem to enjoy doing this i want to do that too
0: yeah, it must be fun if they're yeah. putting this much energy, and it looks like they're just having a great time.
1: Yeah, and Larry Dahlberg's another one, a great teacher. He would actually have a whole lot in his shows where he would teach you the stuff that he was doing, and um, all of them are great fly anglers, too, but they would fish conventional gear, too, and take the same, you know, dedicated approach to that, and you kind of have to respect that as well.
0: Well, I think that, and in, in, as fly anglers, we kind of get into this, well, I'm a fly fisherman, blah, 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 but... I don't think there's a time that I don't float down the river and somebody asks me how it's going. And I'll tell them and they'll be fishing conventionally, conventionally, and I want to know what what's working, what color are you using? Because mm-hmm. you can, again, you can learn from anyone. Yeah. If you just take the time to listen to what they have to say.
1: You can. And and, and that's, you're exactly right. You bring up that. I've, I I fly fish 95% of the time, but uh, I'm not above getting a spinning rod out, especially if we're going down to the, to the salt water. That's a, you know, there's some conditions that'll be presented there that Fly angling, you just might as well be just waving a stick with no line on it because you, you can't fish it that day. Um, so you got to be real with that in terms of your fishing. Um, but there's a time and place for it, and um, I like fly fishing. Probably more than spent in conventional gear, but I'm not afraid to get out the conventional gear when it's appropriate too.
0: It especially down in the salt, uh, you know, it seems like there are those days where you get down there and you've got big hopes and big dreams of fly fishing, catching yeah. that one particular species on the fly. It's hard to do that when the wind's blowing fifty, and yeah, you know it's hard to hold a boat anywhere.
1: If you're fishing a like, if you're going for bluegill or brim, and and you want to catch some fish to take home with you, and that's what the whole the trip is, like a farm pond or something like that. Get out an ultralight spinning reel. You're probably gonna have a ball catching a bunch of fish on crickets, and and it's just the fishing part of it. Um, yeah, ideally, I'd love to be throwing some dry fly out there that that gets their attention and then does all that stuff. But I get a lot of joy out of the other stuff too.
0: Well, Dan, we've been sitting here in your in your studio, which is which is we're surrounded by paintings by Dan, and we've we've got home waters over here, which I have. Uh, what what's the name of the one that I have where the guy's standing on front of the boat? That's
1: called Last Cast. You have the original.
0: I have the original Last Cast. Thank you. I know you're all jealous. <laughs> um, but then, uh, for Christmas one year I bought my bride, uh, uh one of the Santa's Santa's painting called Betsy Santa. Mm-hmm. So I've got I've got several of your paintings. There's all a lot of my friends have them as well. Um, uh, I'm not gonna be able to sneak out of here with one. I don't think, but. <laughs>
1: Well, but, I appreciate uh, the, your your patronage.
0: <laughs> you know, they're laying on the counter over here. There's another painting just laying here on the on the on the desk under the light.
1: Uh, there was a six foot long eagle there. There that was there a couple of weeks ago. So I that, saw that,
0: uh, Dan. You also, we might as well give you a, a plug here. And it, this is this is about your artwork, but it's also about some of your adventures. You have a blog that you do, mm-hmm. and w- where is that?
1: It's uh, it's uh, Charlie Fishing Art. Uh, dot blogspot.com it's too long of a title but you can probably search my name you'll find it uh and i'm I'm redoing my website it'll actually be a part of the website here not too long from now but um yeah i've kept up with some of my fish that's a lot of fishing stories out there along with some of the original artwork or new creations that come out of the studio i'll put them out there but uh a lot of devotion to my my stream exploits and maybe some trips down to the Gulf and just, you know, fishing stories, tall just, tales.
0: And he's not only are you an Lots excellent artist and a great guitar player and singer and all that, I don't know about that, but, but, okay. uh, <laughs> but some of the, some of the stories are just, you will sit and laugh, especially the one that I'm thinking of where, where you were on the cany. And, and uh, this is about, we've all got boat ramp stories, Yeah, but this may be the ultimate boat ramp story. Uh And I can't remember. It's been several years probably 3 or 4 years ago.
1: Yeah, that was the that was an infamous trip there. Yeah, Boat ramps seemed to attract some of the more colorful people in 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 the world and that was no no doubt on display that day that we were there. Yeah, a full-fledged fight. Yeah. I, it's, it's, I, we could we could devote the whole podcast to this thing, so maybe a, a future podcast. I'll go into detail as to what happened there, but yeah. You can read it on my blog.
0: That's right. That's right. So you can go to dancharlie.com It's um, Whiskey River. Yeah, that's the name of it, Whiskey River. <laughs> that's a, true story. It, it is a true story. That's what makes it. Most stories that are really good are true, Yeah. although in the back of your mind, you're like, I'm not sure if this really could happen or not, but Anyway, if you get a chance, go to dancharley.com, Uh Look at his, his artwork, but by all means, check out the blog. Go back about three years or so. Whiskey River is the name of this, uh, this story. Excellent, excellent article written by Dan, uh, and you will enjoy it. Anyway, thanks for being here. We appreciate you coming, and you have listened to the Angler's Influence podcast.
1: Fly cat. <laughs> I never made a fly with uh, Festus fur, but. Not yet, anyway.
0: Alright. Move this up a little. Yeah, cat is a streamer. Yeah. yeah. Be a good nip pattern. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Don't yeah. step on Festus. He's zonking out.
1: i start snoring.